Welcome, this is the Change Creator Podcast. Hey, what's up and welcome back to the Change Creator Podcast show. This is your host, Adam Force, and I'm excited today. We're going to be talking with Stephen Carl, and Stephen is the founder of a company called The Needle Movement, which is a digital strategy company focused on conscious e-commerce. Um, he started his, com- his career, actually, um, early on as an employee at an Amazon-funded startup in 1998, and ever since then, he's been chasing online conversions, right? So his past digital marketing experiences cover a wide, wide range of categories, uh, nonprofits, luxury, fashion, home, horticulture, um, and they all have a common thread. And that common thread is translating early digital trends into revenue growth, which we all need. If we want to scale impact, we've got to scale our, our revenues, right? So with the needle movement, Stephen decided that, you know, it was really who he was to try to take part in the greater good. So that's an important part of why he's doing what he's doing. Um, and there's this emerging wave of retail brands that are making a real difference through sustainability, social impact, and things like that. And so he's helping mission-driven brands navigate the wild, wild west of the digital marketing world um, and helping them you know, steer uh, towards the the big wins and and away from all the expensive mistakes, right? We, we all want to avoid those mistakes as much as we can, but we make them most times anyway, because we had to learn from our own mistakes. <laughs> We've all been there. Um, so this is going to be a really great uh, conversation. I think we're going to get a lot out of it. So I'm excited to talk with Steven. And just in case you missed last week's episode, you don't want to miss this. This was with Brian Robinson, and he is a sales maestro. We call them the selling Jedi master. And, you know, he can help wrap your head around some really good insights around selling because this is a craft and a skill that we all need to have as entrepreneurs. So don't miss out on that discussion with Brian Robinson. That was last week's episode. And don't forget to stop by Facebook, follow us, get involved, engage. We have a lot of good content flowing through there. And from there, you can also get involved with our group. So if you are a business owner or getting started, at least you have a business idea, you can apply for our group. And the group is the Profitable Digital Impact Entrepreneur. We'd love to see you over there. So uh, check that out. And we have some more intimate uh, insights and and, uh, conversation going on over there. And guys, on changecreator.com, we have just published a ton of fresh content that you could check out. And we do have that free report on the homepage, three proven skills that every entrepreneur must have to grow their impact business. And these are tried and true, whether you're talking to Russell Brunson, Seth Godin, these are all people we interviewed, but also coming from our own experience of what, how we've executed things and the primary areas that you really want to put your attention. Okay. So this, is essential. And what we're trying to accomplish with this free report is to give you guidance. So you're not spending time doing all the wrong things that don't matter, right? Because time and money go quick. And while you can make more money, you can't get more time back. So we want to help you become more efficient uh, and use your time wisely. And so that's what these three skills are all about. We want to just detail them and give some real context and insight around it. So check that out. And I think you'll find it uh, really useful. Um, All right. I think that's it for now. So we're going to dive into this conversation with Steven. Okay, show me the heat. I know you're going to dig this. Hey, Stephen, welcome to the Change Creator Podcast show. How you doing today, man? 
Doing great. Thanks for having me on. Really appreciate it. Yeah. Awesome. Well, I'm excited because e-commerce is definitely a space we want to talk more about. Um, and why don't you just do me a favor and just tell me, like, wh what do you have going on today? Before I get into your background, I'd like to see what, what's the latest and greatest. Uh, let's see. Uh, for my day, what's happening is I'm, I'm just helping some of my clients with anything from I have a, a website redesign that's in the works and has been on the pipeline for a couple of months. Yeah. So yeah. we're just going through our corrections and making sure that's good. Um, and then I, I have a, I have a client who's doing, um, who makes caftan dresses and, um, part of the proceeds go back to scholarships, um, you know, for, for students. So we're working on an Instagram ad campaign for, um, for her company. Mm. So a little, a, a healthy mixture between digital marketing and e-commerce. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And so that's your focus these days with clients. Correct. Yeah. Um, I have 21 years of experience in, Nice. In digital, most of it in e-commerce, a little bit of it in not-for-profit as well. Um, and these days I'm trying to bring that e-commerce knowledge into the social good space. Yeah, I love it. So what kind of um, things, and now it's been 21 years, um, what kind of trends have you been, I guess, learning and seeing happening over this time up to up till today? Well, it, yeah, like, it feels like a hundred years with all the time <laughs> and all the cycles and, yeah. you know, but I, I think that there are cycles to innovation and a big part of it is, I mean, it sounds cliche, but you just embrace change and disruption and you figure out how to learn things faster, you know, so you, you know, you try to open up your learning sources, you know, and have your you know, have your ear to the ground in various places. Yeah. And that's how you, that's one way you can become more savvy on, you know, some of the trends that are happening. I mean, do you want to, so, I mean, specifically in e-commerce, Yeah. let's see the trend. I can go into some of the channels a little bit. Yeah. I'm just um, curious, anything top of mind that's kind of like standing out for you? Like, yeah, this is interesting. Just things you've noticed, um, that are just changing. You know, we, the, the, the digital world is just changing so fast and it's, it's, it's reshaping our behaviors and how we think about, uh, you know, connecting with our audience and all that kind of stuff. So I'm curious and just, have you seen any of these shifts, you know, and if anything stands out to you? Okay, I'll take the path of, I think the conscious, I know there's like two different paths, it's a great question, there's two different ways to answer it. Sure. I, I think the conscious consumer is emerging. Yeah. You know, I see this, you know, in last fall, one bellwether moment was the Nike Kaepernick ad. Right, right, and right. It, and it was big because brands used to never get involved in social, or they used to always want to stay back and have a neutral standpoint, not to piss off consumers. And Nike, they, you know, they pretty much made a calculated decision that they had to stand up for something, you know. So that's why they took on this, you know. So that was a moment that it, you know, woke up a lot of marketers. But there is a segment of the audience now that, you know, people vote with their wallets. Yeah. And 
you know, people are being encouraged to like, you know, we, I think social media has helped, um, conscious companies or, you know, helped environmental sustainability a lot because it spreads messages so quickly. So look at the stop doing plastic straws. Yeah. Yeah. You know, how quickly that stuff is spreading. Um, and a lot of like, you know, with millennials, there was this recent survey that said, I think it was like two thirds of millennials consider a company's social responsibility when making a purchase. Yep. Yep. You know, and, and part of that is that, you know, the, Right now, there's a hundred different places you can buy a product, so the consumer really controls it. Yeah, yeah, makes sense. Um, yeah, and and I one of the things we've noticed, and and maybe this is continuing to shift, and we hope it is, is that you know people get excited about the data. Which all these surveys, you know, Gallup, Nielsen, whoever, you know, they share this data um, yep. and they're saying, yeah, people want to spend their money on things that are sustainable. They're, they're more conscious and, you know, blah, blah, blah. And they're willing to spend more for those things. And I don't always see, and I've spoken to a number of people who've worked with like Upworthy and all these other platforms, Huffington Post, Impact, a, a department of their, their platform. And they're like, yeah, but we haven't seen the actual like tangible results. Like we see that people like to say that, <laughs> but are yeah. they actually doing it? Does the, the real purchasing data show that? And I think when push comes to shove, we're not quite there yet. So it's a little bit deceptive in some cases. Mm -hmm. And I'm wondering if you've noticed that at all, like it's a nice thing that's like happening, but it's not quite there yet as the real data. Right. I, yeah, I think there is, you know, talking the talk and walking the walk and right, exactly. company yeah, companies are doing the same thing where, you know, people are putting out sustainability projections for 10 years from now on what their, <laughs> you know, what their company will do. Yeah. Um, we are seeing, yeah, I'm optimistic because we are seeing some success stories. Yeah. And we are seeing more alternatives emerge, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. you know, in, you know, in the space, you yeah. know, so, you, you know, so you do have these success stories in sustainability. And I, I think it just, you know, and that's why I think it's a consumer driven movement that, you know, the more mindful people are with what they buy, you know, or yep. deciding, do I really need this? The more they're going to change the companies because the companies are issuing these statements because they have to now. Um, right. They're, you know, you know, but I, you know, I, I, I agree with your point. I don't think the conscious commerce segment, I, I don't have a, I mean, I would say it's maybe 10% now of the market. Okay. Yeah. Fair. Yeah. 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 That makes sense. And I, and I think too, it's like, as we, we've interviewed and worked with a number of, you know, social impact uh, e-commerce brands. And, you know, when we dig into it, what we find is, um, the better they are at communicating what like their story is, like what mm. that makes them different, you know, like why they're doing this. And so, you know, all of a sudden, you know, I talked to someone like Crystal Arrow of Brave Souls and she's like, yeah, people come up to us and they're like, I'm just, I love that. I, I'm so proud to own this product because I know like what it means. I know the story behind it. And so as more companies just get into this values driven business model, um, it's like, people don't have to be conscious consumers. They're just, these are just the way businesses are operated. Um, and I see more connections with these brands through that power of, of telling their story and it differentiates their brand too. Mm -hmm. Right. It's a, it's, a, it's a marketing strategy. So instead of having to, 
you know, spend your money on the perfect pictures and <laughs> sneaky copywriting that, yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. that gets, that gets into people's heads a lot. You, you know, you're just, you know, by helping others, you're, you're getting there. But something I wanted to say about that is to your point before is that a company just having those values is not going to succeed by itself. It's going to take something else. Yes. And another thing that, you know, ties it in, you know, like Allbirds is a good example of that. Cause they didn't just say we're making sneakers that are, we have a goal of being carbon neutral. Yeah. They really played into the story of New Zealand wool and comfort that these were the most comfortable things. So with, I think with branding, a lot of it is just about setting up those differentiators. Yep. Yeah. yeah, that like every product has, you know, should have, you know, let's just say five things that sets it apart. And your your values message, let's just say that covers a couple of bullet right. points. Right, right. You know, there there should be other aspects of it too. Totally agree. I, I think people get hung up like, oh, I have a social impact brand. That means I'm going to get all these sales now. <laughs> And that's right. not the case. And, 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 you know, you're in for a surprise and we've, we've seen it happen so many times. So I think that's a super important point that you make is that there, there is more to it. You, you still know, you still need to have your, a really good quality product and you got to tell that product story. But I think you also need to know how to sell, <laughs> you know, right. no matter how good your company is, if you don't know how to sell, you're going to get stuck. Yep. Yeah. And there's, you know, I, I think with, with e-commerce, I mean, the, the channels that I'm seeing people selling on a lot is email is still going strong. Yes. You know, and just building up your email list and, and sending out to people. Um, if they like your message, they will, you know, everyone, every few years people talk about email's death, but it's, it's still going really well. Um, I think Instagram and, and social media is also, it can be pretty good for discovery, but there are, let's see, I'm a little mixed on it because it's, it is expensive to run the, you know, it's, it's expensive to run programs and to get results. Cause the way you're going to succeed on Instagram is by doing a lot of testing of your message and your audiences and getting to a point where your cost per acquisition is lower. Yeah. Yeah. You yeah, know, yeah. You know, but to do that, you're not just going to have one ad and it's going to work perfectly. And it's probably going to be testing five different ads, a few different audiences to see what, you know, who's really hitting on that message. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and then SMS is something that's starting to emerge now. And it's, it's pretty cheap, actually, you know, just marketing through text messages, but you can't. It's a little more spammy, I think. You know, it's sensitive, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's sensitive. I think when people, but if people like your brand, you can send them stuff, but just, you know, just think about the type of message you would want to receive from a company when yeah. you send it out to someone else. Yeah, and you know, we've thought about that ourselves for certain, um, you know, projects or campaigns. And, um, you know, email is intimate enough. You're like, you're getting permission and trust enough to get in the inbox. And who knows, they might give you a junk email, but not if they really want what you're, <laughs> what you're offering. And mm -hmm. then you think about the text messaging and we've always been a little bit reserved. I've, I've literally had conversations with some of those providers that do that stuff. And I think it's, it's super powerful and interesting 
interesting. So if you send the right stuff and you're not too aggressive or like overwhelming, um, that's even more intimate than the email. But I think there's definitely a growing place uh, for that. So you have seen it actually, it sounds like in the e-commerce world. Yes, yeah. I'm seeing it. There's um yeah, there's a big email provider called Clavio that mm. does a lot of work in Shopify. Mm, um, so yeah. one one signal is that Clavio just launched SMS this month. Yeah. You know, but there's other other providers as well. But sure. that just shows it's getting in the space. Yeah, yeah, it's important. Um, we're big fans of the email channel just because it's a great way to continue a conversation with people. Um, and there's just such value there. You can really optimize the value of a lead over time um, from that. And uh, we've always, as far as like Instagram and stuff, I agree with you. I always, I don't know, this is just me personally. I see so many people like, you know, killing it on Instagram. And I've tried like, you know, our team has tried like campaigns and done different things. And I don't know, I've always, we've struggled <laughs> with Instagram. <laughs> like, and you're, you're not the only one. Yeah. It's... You know, and I think I've seen other brands where they got in at a certain time yep. and they were able to get those influencers to do these shout outs for them at a very, very low price. And they had incredible like return on those like getting 500 to a thousand people a pop for like, you know, a couple bucks. Once we went, I did a whole, we did like this whole campaign once where we got like 10 influencers on board and we like calculated the numbers and crunched them of what the expectation might be to like forecast our, our return on this. And it just wasn't even in the ballpark. <laughs> I, was like, I was like, well, this is dead. So that was really uh, disheartening. <laughs> you, yes. You definitely, you definitely need to have a CFO mentality when you work on Instagram. Yes. Because yeah, because if the numbers don't make sense, then you can put your focus on another place. But email is is a much more profitable um, to start out, definitely. Big time. Well, and that's the thing you're not you're not as platform dependent. You might have your email client, but that certainly isn't going to change much, like a Facebook platform or an Instagram platform. Whereas you know anything goes wrong, or what if you yep. you do something and they like close down your account, or for you know who knows, like you you're out you're in trouble, you know. And with email, you right, you control the name. Where yeah. Instagram, like a lot of times with organic reach, like Facebook pulled this actually, where you have an account and people are signing up, but maybe only less than twenty percent of people are actually seeing the message because Facebook decided to change the algorithm. So right, you're you have more control with email definitely over that mm. customer. Yeah, yeah. You know, and, and I think with text actually, the one thing I was going to say is um. Phone numbers are also becoming important now with text messaging. That email, the email address is still a great thing to have and get, but companies are starting to think about, hey, I should, you know, if I have that person's phone number, then I can use it for SMS and other things. Yeah, that's a. I, that's always, the, that's I, the, I know that's the. <laughs> you know what number I give people? Five 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 five. Yes. <laughs> Because I don't want to give my phone number. I'm like, hell no, I don't want to do that. Yep. <laughs> you know, I was reading some data the other day for some stuff we were doing, and um, I have to forgive me, I forget the source, but I uh, was looking at the difference today between desktop and mobile. And while there's so, there's a, the, the mobile uh, side is dominating traffic, I've noticed that for mm -hmm. things like e commerce, the time spent on a session um, on average is far higher on desktop. And so are the sales that come through for e commerce is much higher on desktop as well. So, you know, you talked about Instagram, which is obviously mostly mobile only. Um, 
I'm seeing more financial return in through the desktop space versus the mobile space, but higher traffic on mobile, you know, but even with this, the little, the lesser traffic on desktop, the sales are far higher. I agree with you on, yeah, definitely. Mm. Yeah, you definitely, we, yeah, we, uh, more people are purchasing uh, on their desktops. No, no question about it. Yeah. I wonder why, I wonder why that is. Do you have any thoughts on what might be, you know, kind of making that happen? It's, I think in the West, we're just more um, desktop centric. In other parts of the world, like in China, people buy everything on their phones. <laughs> so there's just something about people want to wait until they get back to their regular, their big computer or their laptop. Um, and just, and I, I think there is a research phase. Yes. So maybe, you know, maybe as like 5G is coming, and I don't, I don't even know what the heck that means, but it means faster connections for mobile, I believe. Among, but some of it is the speed of the mobile experience too. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. You know, but I think that's, you know, so it's still, so at the moment, yeah, definitely desktop is where, um, you know, to look at things. I think for mobile websites, if your conversion rate is really bad on mobile, just take a look at it and browse through it and, and see if there's. I think a lot of times just comparing yourself to other companies or companies where you dig their experience, you think they have a good website, you know, it can give you a lot of ideas on how to make simple improvements. Like one time, like recently I was looking at a client who had a poor mobile, like just their mobile conversion numbers aren't good. And I was just looking at their navigation and the type was really small. So I'm like, Hey, why don't we just, make it bigger. Cause I can't read this. <laughs> <laughs> Good idea. That could help. That could yeah. Help. Yeah. Or the text sometimes if it's like really small on a screen, no one's people are more like on mobile. Also people are more image centric. They're not going to read the text. Yeah, I can, I can, that makes sense to me. Um, you know, I, I'm not a big like shopper and I just went to this brand, um, it's like a men's clothing brand called Chubbies. It's like shorts and tank tops, like yep. su- summery stuff. And they have a really good experience. I went ahead and I bought right there on my on my phone. But nine times out of 10, I do get the feeling too, if I'm not sure about a brand or I don't know the brand yet, I will want to be on my desktop to like, do a little research. Like you said, I want to read about like, who is this? And do they have a good product? What do people think? And I don't really want to do all that shuffling around when I'm on my phone. Right. Yeah. So I think it makes sense. Um, yeah. So I'm curious then just maybe some of the stuff, um, that right now, um, if you were, you said you were working with some clients and things like Mm -hmm. that, what are some of the strategies, I guess, that you are now putting in place to help optimize the experience? You know, let's say you're building these sites and you got to focus on homepage and key pages that really are the trust builders and conversion Mm -hmm. builders and stuff like that. Any insights on just ways to think about these things? And, you know, because I know e-commerce is different than a coaching site or someone who has courses and things like that. See, yeah, trust is is very important, and let's see. So, in that, there's there's things that are um, trust building and trust seals. So, let's see. So, let's go into how you can increase trust in your company. Because even if you're a one person operation, like I like to think of it as the Wizard of Oz effect, where you know behind the curtain is a short you know is a short man, but he seemed larger than life. 
to everybody else. So you just want you want to make your company look big and established. So trust signals would be, I think any any good media or publications that have written about you, a lot of people put that on the homepage. Yeah, a little social proof kind of thing. Yes, yeah, so it's, it's right. So that idea of social proof, whether it's you know uh, you know a, a large media outlet, also customer testimonials. Where you, yeah, yeah, you're like getting a lot of those, um, and you you just you just have to ask for them from happy customers to get. <laughs> Most times, yeah, <laughs> like they don't. People don't fill it out on the product page. No, yeah. and everyone's like, they don't. They think, oh, I don't have any, I'm, and I would be like, well, how many people did you ask for them? Like literally, like n- like knock on their door in the sense of digitally and be like, hey, I was wondering, blah blah blah, and just really go after it, you know. And you can also do a customer survey yeah. where you ask for a review. So there's, there, you know, there's a few, or if you're on customer service, you know, so there's a few tactics to get, you know, to get good reviews. But then going into the trust seals that with conversions, you know, people are going to decide to buy or not buy the product. Like the product page is very important. So you have those seals of, like if you have a free shipping policy, Right. Put it on that page. Um, if you're something that happens with impact, you know, you can have a couple of seals that tell people on that page the, you know, the, the programs that you have. But when you put those and a, and a spot to put them is right under the add to cart button. Yeah. So that right in that headspace where people are making that buy decision you're reinforcing that message. Right, right. And and I think, you know, going back to the email thing, it's so important because not everybody, especially if you're a younger brand, like they're not, they may not be ready to just buy something right away, but they might be interested. So, you know, you want to be able to keep talking to them about it. So those little perks, like, you know, maybe your first, first time uh, buying something, you get free shipping or a certain yep. percent off. So, you know, you're not giving a how-to guide like other uh, businesses might, but you can give incentives, right? So it sounds like those incentives are a good way to, to just keep people on board. Yeah, exactly. It just gives, it gives people an incentive to, to try out the product and yeah. to learn more. And that's what gets you through the first purchase. And then, you know, I think especially when you have an impact business, you have so many stories to tell people that will convince them, you know, to buy again. But that is one of the biggest issues in e-commerce is the one-time buyer problem. <laughs> yeah, how do you get that reoccurring? <laughs> yeah, where people are one and done. So like once you're celebrating, once you're doing that jig for that first order that you got, you got to start thinking about the second order. And email is an excellent way through post-purchase emails to, yeah, to, yeah. you know, to tell people more about the product they're getting and what's, and the team behind it as well. Yeah. All that stuff, you know, people like, I find that they're in these spaces and they feel like, Oh, well, no one wants that. They just want to know the what's on sale. What's the discount. And I'm like, in my mind, I'm no. like, no, that's not true. I'm like, people will be interested in what you stand for, why you're doing what you're doing, all these things. And the more that they, that you, that you, uh, resonate with those people, they become advocates. Now they're really standing behind you and, and really like what you do. Right. Yeah, I would say with discount shoppers, it's a different type of shopper. And yeah. it's not, yeah, they're not, I think when you're starting out, that's not the best place to go because you want people to buy because they believe in what you're, what you're doing, not that they're getting 20% off that or 30% off that because that they're never going to change that. They're always going to expect, they're buying because of the, the high of the discount, 
not because of the value to that you're providing as a brand. Ooh, that's that's a good point. I like that. And you know, people are so desperate to get the sale, that one time yeah. sale that they do these discounts and they're already devaluing the product. And you know, what you want to do, like you said, is attract the people that are interested in supporting and getting on board with what you do, not just getting that one time sale. Right. I think the consumer base is all very tribal though. Like there's some people that are huge discount shoppers <laughs> and there's some people that are conscious consumers. And then there's a lot of people that are in the midst. I think there's a lot of people that are curious about impact businesses. Right. They've heard all the big stories and they, in their hearts, you know, like we were saying, talk the talk, walk the walk. They want to support it more and they're giving it a look, but they aren't there yet, but they're close. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. No, this is all, I, I, we're super on the same page with these things. And I think it's, um, this is a helpful conversation for people to hear, especially with the e-commerce world. Cause I see most of the time I go to their websites and they could be a young brand. You're not a Nike, <laughs> you know, like nobody knows who you are. Like you know, a Nike, right. right? So you can't really mimic a Nike when you're, when you're a startup brand in the first few years. Um, and so like you go to their website and you'll see, you know, they just have their products on the homepage or shop here. And, you know, in my mind, I'm like, Hmm, that's, that's an interesting way to start that conversation with somebody and I'm wondering how that works because comparatively I, I think to your point attracting the people and telling them a little bit more about what you're about and getting them like they're in that mindset I'm wondering how that would play out to for them comparatively well it's you know I think there is that apples to orange comparison like where you know, people used to say, oh, I want to be the Amazon of this. <laughs> and now it's like, I want to be the Nike. I want to be, I want to be just like this company that has a thousand people working for them already. Like, yeah. you're not. Yeah, you're not there. <laughs> you're not there. But I, I think with impact businesses, they definitely have the potential to build followings easier. That there are built-in communities. You know, you say you're helping other people. There's an immediate draw that will... You know, so I think kind of like I think with young businesses, what can make them successful is their ability to attract a community. It's a community of consumers, even on the business networking side. It's a community of peers and advisors that are going to help them make better decisions. Yep, yep. You know, but I think there, you know, in there is a way to, you know, to get your and that community could be in your social following. It could be in your the the size of your email list. Um, and just like the best way to sell something is for someone else to do that selling for you, you know? So it's, so it's like finding, what finding, do you mean by that? Well, uh, let's see. So with, well, if, if somebody says, Hey, you gotta, I, I found a great pair of kicks. You gotta, you gotta try these. Oh, word of mouth marketing. Like yeah. someone loves what you do. So they tell someone else. Right. Yeah. Okay. Or did gotcha. you, right. Gotcha. Yeah. Yeah. Um, no, that makes sense. And I agree. So like if you, if you're doing something good, they give your product a whirl, that word of mouth marketing is, is super powerful. Yeah. So how you cultivate that too, with like, you know, kind of, you know, how you can use influencers or brand ambassadors, you know, to, um, to get more people on the ground talking about the product. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I can see that. That makes sense. And and that might, 
Yeah, there's creative things you can do um, with stuff like that for sure. So you could set up your home base, uh, you know, your where you know your website and stuff. And if you can get that to convert, because um, <clears throat> here's the thing: people I've noticed they will they will slap something up for a website and they kind of set it and forget it sometimes. Like, yep. okay, it's up now, and um, you know they go out there and they spend all this money on tactical stuff, even influencers, whatever the, the advertising mm. channel might be. But their home base is not set up to convert well, so like they're just not getting sales no matter what they do because they just haven't done it right on the website. Yeah, I think with the right with the website. Okay, so I mean, a way you can another way to improve your website. I mean, you honestly assess it. Just look at your conversion rate. Of course, yeah. Yeah, so like if your conversion rate is under, I think if it's under two percent, you know that's that's telling you that there's there's a lot of room to improve. <laughs> what what would you say an average, you know, product conversion rate? We're talking not high high end products of like you know thousand dollars, but you know your average twenty to fifty dollars. What's the what's a convert the average conversion rate? Yeah, what would you say is a good conversion rate? I think if you can get over like two and a half percent, that would be a good conversion rate. Okay. And I and I think under like you know two isn't terrible. I think I think it's more like when I when I start seeing it more in the ones, that's you know that's more of a red flag. But for the website, I mean, there's a couple of there's a couple of tips. One, let's see, hire a copywriter. <laughs> you know, it's not. You know, and I and I say this actually. I have I have a copywriter helping me out, and it's taught me in my on my side of the business how valuable it is. And it's humbling because I was an English major in university, so yeah. so you you know. So I'm like, of course I can write all this stuff, but but um, copywriters help you with persuasiveness to make it compelling. Yeah, and to get it, you have to. Over, to, like, so for a website to be successful, you have to read the consumer's mind a little bit and you have to understand the objections they have in their head. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. So, so you see, so you do that and then, you know, a copywriter or, you know, a lot of times people will use like their early customer feedback or like their, their best customers and what their best customers say, yeah. that will become some of the copy because it answers the the reasons why people aren't buying so you know there's that you know i think there's also a um there are templates in e-commerce that make it a little make it more affordable like especially in shopify where it's for say 150 to 350 dollars you're getting a pre-configured website that looks very professional instead of having to spend thousands on your own to, yeah. you know, to build with a developer. Yeah. Now that's, there's, it's getting easier and easier. The barrier to access is lower for these types of things now. And, um, yeah, I think the copywriter is, is a powerful tool. I think you as a founder need to know, um, you know, what the, you got to be close to the sales process. Like you got to know the objections. You got to know the stories yep. that, you know, or your business is grounded in. And then you can give that information to a copywriter to actually whip it up in a, in a sexy way. And, and what's cool about it is that you can always change stuff on a website. Yeah. It just takes, it doesn't take that much time. If I think the, if you just look at it honestly and say, oh, I'm disappointed in my performance, then 
in a couple months, you can have a, a different website with different results, or you can just modify things. Mm-hmm. Just trying to figure out what's going, you know, what's off there. Right. Um, you know, so there's, you know, so you look at your Google Analytics. Um, there's even screen recording tools like Hotjar, like oh, yeah. or we, like we use that. <laughs> Yeah, it's it's and it's not expensive, but it's just just to get an idea of what the heck is going on with the website. Because sometimes you only see it's one is a sale, zero is not a sale, but you're not seeing how they're navigating through the website. Well, yeah, and those things, my my co-founder Amy and I are like, man, we watch those recordings. We're like, this is better than Netflix. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's so fun, and because you know, you hear, you know, I, historically years ago, I read a lot of UX books and stuff about user experience, and they're like, you really want to see how people are navigating your stuff, so like, you could go literally stand over their shoulder and watch what they do on the computer and stuff, and you don't need that anymore. Like, you can you can have things like Hotjar, and it's so powerful to see like where do they pause like where are they actually reading or going back to where are they cl- it's just the the information that comes out of that is really valuable yeah and it's it's affordable too so it's it's something I think that a two, doesn't 2000 views or recordings is free i mean it's yep. for as you get bigger you'll start paying um but yeah for a lot of these startups you guys you just all you got to do is sign up <laughs> but i guess if you're like when you're hearing crickets when it's a little too quiet with the sales you just, you know, you just got to dig a little, you know, dig into what the possible causes is. And I think half of the battle is just openly looking at it and seeing what you're, you know, yeah. what can be improved. And that's what it is. And I, I think a lot of people don't realize when they get into the entrepreneurship space and they're struggling, it's like these things do take some time. Like it just doesn't happen for everybody. Like, you know, it's not like in a year you're going to be making, I mean, not, not that no one ever has, but it's unlikely you'll be making a million dollars a year. So it's like these things take time and you have to have a little patience yeah. to iterate and, and be diligent with a discipline to actually look at your numbers and see where the gaps are and start optimizing. Next thing you know, a year goes by and you have this, totally different, you know, experience on your platform because you've been iterating and it's actually now getting results, you know? Yeah. They say like, if you're, if your business improves 10% every month, the calculation is that your business would be over 300% better than at the start. So it is that you're, you're right on it. That month to month, yeah, you know, iterative improvement, just getting a little better at everything consistently. Exactly. And, and you'll feel good about those little wins. If you just pay attention to it and you do it, then each month you'll be like, all right, like it's something to feel good about, you know, and you'll see it just kind of grow and grow. So awesome, Steven. Um, tell me just a little, as we wrap up here. Uh, so what, what kind of clients do you work with mostly right now? Let's see. I, I have some experience in, in fashion. So I end up, you know, given that working with fashion businesses, but a lot of, I mean, the, the businesses also tend to be on the Shopify platform yeah, um, as well. Okay. Okay, cool. And why don't we give yourself a shout out where people can maybe find you and, and learn a little bit more. Great. Um, let's see. You can, so you can reach me at, at, I'll just give you an email address to make it simple. Hello at needlemovement.com. And I personally look at all of those emails okay. um, and I also offer free strategy calls for podcast listeners. Um, it's always fun to hear the, you know, the challenges and, um, you know, and positives that, that businesses are going through every day. Sure, sure. Cool. All right. Well, listen, Stephen, I appreciate the conversation and your time today. 
Thanks so much That's for having me. for this episode. Your next step is to join the Change Creator Revolution by downloading our interactive digital magazine app for premium content, exclusive interviews, and more ways to stay on top of your game. Available now on iTunes and Google Play. Or visit changecreatormag.com. We'll see you next time where money and meaning intersect right here at the Change Creator Podcast. 